Hallelujah. Well, um, I hope you enjoyed staying in his presence a minute tonight. You know, that's, that's really uh, what praise and worship is about. We can't always do that on Sunday morning, but uh, Wednesday nights, we're a little freer. And so it's not about your singing. It's about taking time to just settle in the presence of God and let him begin to do in us. Sometimes we don't even know what he did, but he's working. Everybody say he's working. If you give the Holy Spirit time, the Spirit of God will speak through the Holy Spirit into your life and bring life and health and wholeness, answers, peace. I don't know about you, but uh, see, once I get up there, I have to tell myself to stop because it's just such a peaceful place. The most peaceful place is when you're worshiping God and you're standing in his presence. Let's make our confession tonight and then we'll begin. We're talking about the Holy Spirit this month on Wednesday nights. So if you're visiting with us, we first make this confession and then we begin with the word of God. Let's say this. I am here on purpose because I have a purpose. My heart is open. My mind is ready to receive because God is not finished with me yet. My best days are right in front of me and I have victory in my life because Jesus lives in me. Amen. Hallelujah. You can be seated. Well, this evening when we started, I think we had 10 people. So I was real excited when you all started showing up. You know, uh, I, the word God began to speak to me this morning. If you spend time every day just talking to God, he'll, he'll just do something on the inside of you special. And uh, this morning, this word I heard was multitudes. And, you know, I was thinking about Jesus everywhere he went. If you read about him, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, there were multitudes. You know, um, I know Paul ministered to people, Peter ministered to people, but with Jesus, the word multitude is everywhere in the Gospels. And so, you know, I'm just sitting there. I talked to God about everything, and I just said, Lord, what do you do to see people, multitudes of people, drawn to the Word of God? Not to church, but not to me, not to anybody who's in this pulpit, but drawn to the Word of God, the Spirit of God. What is it? And instantly, everybody say instantly. <laughs> Acts 10.38 popped in my mind how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost. Everybody say the Holy Ghost. Who went about doing good, healing all who were oppressed of the devil, by the devil. To me, that says anything that is happening in your life that is not of God is oppression. Everybody say oppression. It's the oppression. Healing is really oppression. Uh, evil spirits that try to oppress you with words and thoughts and things that pull you down. All of that, Jesus came to heal. And he came wherever he went, anointed by the Holy Spirit of God. If Jesus had to be anointed by the Holy Spirit of God, I think we really need to know what that means. Amen. And so tonight, we're going to be talking um, about uh, aftershock is what I'm calling it. Because sometimes when things happen, you're not expecting, you know, it's like there's aftershocks. You know, I'm, I'm right now working with my mom. And, uh, you know, one day she was, you know, elderly. She's going to be 96. But then the next day... She had horrible pain in her back. We go to the hospital, and now everything is different. And every day, even between morning and night, is like an aftershock of what happened that day that we don't really have revelation of totally, but whatever happened, it changed everything. And that's what happened at Calvary. When Jesus was crucified on that cross, and then everybody who, who I'm sure had been healed as he had traveled through the countryside, all those people that had thought, this is, this is the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and he's going to set up his government and his kingdom, and everything is going to be all right. His disciples who were with him all the time, suddenly everything stopped for them in their sight. In their natural sight, it was over. But it wasn't over. In fact, it was just beginning. And so the power of the Holy Spirit that was released on Calvary is for every one of us. And as the disciples walked through that 40 days that he was on earth, he began to show himself to them, began to reveal himself to them, that he was not 
dead, he was alive. Everybody say alive. And so tonight, we're going to say life after death. We're going to talk about life after death. You know, there, what happened at Calvary released abundant life. Jesus said it. The thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy in John 10, 10. But I have come that you might have life and life abundantly. And so what happened was when his death occurred, life burst forth for us and everyone who would receive him in the earth. There's a new life, a new way. And I believe that the Holy Spirit is the only one who can truly reveal it in our hearts what we have. That's why it's so important to, to believe what the, the scripture says and Jesus said in John 16, that he would, the Holy Spirit was a spirit of truth and the Holy Spirit would show us things to come. He would reveal the direct will of the Father to us. And, and that way, with the baptism of the Holy Spirit, we begin to pray in the Holy Ghost. We'll talk about that more as we go on in this and I can't teach it tonight. But Paul said, I pray with the Spirit and I pray with my understanding. God has given us a way to communicate with him that was not there until Jesus went to Calvary. Everybody say, thank God for the cross. The cross provided for us salvation, but it provided more than that. You know, when I was uh, in the Methodist church years ago, people told me, well, you know, hell's right here on earth. Well, that's a lie. Hell is full of fire and flames, and, and it's not going to be a happy place, not any given day. This is not hell. This is the place God birthed us into the earth. And by the stripes of Jesus Christ, we are healed, that we have power, we have anointing to walk on this earth in authority and dominion and have victory all the time. Amen? Amen. It, we may not see it with our natural eyes, but what I see is not what I have. I have what God said I have through the power of the name of Jesus. So earthquakes, you know, it talks about it in Matthew 27. Could you put that up there and we'll look at that real quickly. This is where we began last week. When Jesus was on the cross just before he passed, then behold, the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom and the earth quaked and the rocks were split. When that veil was rent, what that was, was it symbolized the veil in the old covenant between the holy place and the most holy place where the presence of God was. If that veil had not been rent, we could sing up here until our face turned purple. We lost our voice and we would never get into the presence of God. It is through the blood of Jesus. When the graves were open, many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. And then it goes on and coming out of the graves after his res after the graves, after his resurrection, they went into the holy place and appeared to many. There was a resurrection besides him. So when the centurion and those who those with him who were guarding Jesus saw the earthquake and the things that had happened, they feared greatly, saying, truly, this was the son of God. I believe God can make things quake to the point that people say there is a God. Can you believe that? in situations and circumstances. Last week, we concluded with a video from the movie that's out right now, um, Breakthrough. And if you uh, were here, uh, she, just the, the mother of the son who was proclaimed dead, I mean, he, he had no heartbeat for a 45 minutes to an hour. I can't remember the exact time, but everything was stopped. No pulse. Uh, the line on the machine was straight across. And she hollered out, Holy Spirit, give me back my son. And when you heard the mother talk about it, the actual mother of that experience, because that's a true story, she said, I had always heard the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead. I want to read that to you. It's in Romans. I don't think I put it up there um, for us up there, but it's Romans chapter 8. If the same spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead dwells in you. Amen? Amen. Say that same spirit that, same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in me. Now listen, that's pretty powerful. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in me. He will quicken your mortal bodies. That means he will quicken you by the power of the Holy Spirit that's on the inside of you to truth. He will quicken you. You know, for me, when I was first saved... Uh, right and wrong, I knew, because my parents taught us right and wrong. I mean, you know, there was just right and there was wrong and there was no gray. 
not at our house. And so uh, I knew right from wrong. But when I was received the Holy Spirit of God, the things that uh, became real to me were why they were right and wrong. The revelation of what could happen if I didn't do the right thing. Not that I get in trouble with my mother, <laughs> but that there was a thief who comes to kill, steal, and destroy. And he would try to take from me, from doing the wrong thing, what God had provided for me if I did the right thing. That will change your decision. Amen? That changes your decision. So the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead. Let me see if I can find it. This, um, it's 8. Oh, I wrote it in my other notes. Take it. What is it? 11. Thank you. Let me see. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life. That's what it says in this translation. Everybody say life. Life, life more, life more abundantly to your mortal bodies through his spirit that lives in you. Everybody say, thank God for the Holy Spirit. Now, I'm, I, if we could turn to, uh, up there to John 14, 26 in the Amplified. You know, there's different translations of everything, but the Amplified just says everything in the same translation. And I want to read this because... Um, everybody say the helper. How many of you need help? I need help. Now, you can call the Holy Spirit a lot of things, but the Bible says in John 14, and if you understand John 14, 15, 16, is Jesus letting his disciples know these are the things that are coming, and this is where I will be. This is who I will be. This is who I will be to you. It's like his last message before the crucifixion. And he wanted to let them know what was coming. And so he told them, I will not leave you orphans. I will send you the Holy Spirit. I'll ask my fathers what he said, to send you the Holy Spirit. And why would he say that? Because the Holy Spirit anointed him to go about doing good. So he's now going to give us the Holy Spirit. So when John 14, 12 says, greater works will you do than I do because I go to be with the Father. What he's saying is what the Father's going to give you is the same anointing that I had when I was in the earth. And greater works will you do than I did because there's more of us. Amen. What would happen if all of you left tonight? And wherever you went, you started laying hands on the sick, casting out devils. Now, you know, I don't think they'll take you to the funny farm. But if they do, tell them to call me. And I'll tell them that you're not, this is, this is the spirit of God. You are not drunk as some suppose. You're not, you haven't lost your mind. You have gained the wisdom of God to know. And this is uh, what it says. I want to look at John 14, 26, please. And this one is just what it says about the Holy Spirit that identifies who he is. And so if, if you can write this down, I don't know, John 14, 26. I don't have an amplified here. I switched translations. Here we go. But the comforter, or the, but the comforter, uh, counselor, helper, intercessor, advocate, strengthener, standby. How's that for some explanations? The Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, in my place, to represent me and act on my behalf. He will teach you all things. And he will cause you to recall or will remind you of and bring to your remembrance everything that I have told you. I give this one to my kids in school because, you know, I tell them, listen, the Holy Spirit will bring to your mind to remembrance for you everything that you have heard and learned because God is the one that really is the one that brings enlightenment to what you hear. And so everything you've heard from your teacher, everything you've read, it's going to come back to you. The Holy Spirit's going to pull that out and you're going to remember. That way you're not fearful when you sit down to take a test. The reason I say that is because that's where I had my greatest struggle was taking tests. I knew the material, but as soon as they put that timer on and said, we're taking this test <laughs> and you have to pass it, my brain went, you know, short circuit. And, and so I believe that God wants us to live in such authority and such dominion that everything we do, we count on him.
I'm clear off my sermon, but I actually do this. This is a truth because I, I don't know why when I got saved, somebody said he'd help me. And so I said, okay, I need a helper. I'm a mess. So let's see what we can do. God, this hairdo better be right because I got church this morning. I do that every Sunday. I get it all curled and I say, okay, God, I'm going to, I'm going to fix this hair and you need to help me. <laughs> I go to put my jewelry on. I don't get my husband. When I can't get my thing clasped, I say, Holy Spirit, I can't find it. Help me get my jewelry on. If I lose something, I say, Holy Spirit, I have, I've learned, not, don't say you lost it. Say it's misplaced. I have misplaced something. But it is not lost because the Holy Spirit knows where everything is. Now you say, that woman is crazy. Well, you go ahead and do what you do. But the Holy Spirit always shows up. He helps me get my jewelry on. I'll say, I'll put something on. I've had the Holy Spirit say, no, don't wear that. I think everybody else does. He said, you're not everybody else. Take it off. Honest to goodness. The Holy Spirit knows everything about you. He knows everywhere you're going to go. And if you count on him, he shows up. I thank him. I thank the Lord every night when I get in a hot tub. My husband says it's dirty water. To me, it's refreshing. Dirty or not. How dirty can I get in a day? Uh, But see, when you're focused, and he's the one you talk to. Everybody say talk to. He's the one that you think about all the time. Then when you get ready for the offering, it's not about, oh, I got to give 10%. It's like, what what do you need, God? What do you need that I can give you so you can do what you want to do? It's the same way with other people that you meet. See, once he becomes your friend, once he becomes your confidant, your counselor, the one you count on all the time. And in my situation, when I learned all this, I was alone with three kids in another state with only one couple that I knew. And so I was desperate. If you're desperate for the things of God, he will meet you right where you are. And then there's no excuse because he, he always comes through. He always comes through. Everybody say, he's the helper. And say, I need help. Even if you don't think you do, you do. Okay, so here we go. In Luke 24, we're going to look at that. Luke is the one, and we talked about it last week, he's the one who wrote one of the Gospels, but he also wrote the book of Acts. And so when you read the, the Gospel of Luke, if you go right on into the book of Acts, it's a continuation of what you've been reading. And in this is what it says in verse 45. Um, he opened their understanding that they might comprehend the scriptures. This is when he had been talking to his disciples. And then he said to them, Thus it is written, and thus it was necessary for Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day. He's explaining what's happened. And that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. Then he goes on and says, And you are witnesses of these things. Then this next verse He says, behold, I send the promise of my father upon you. What was the promise? John 14. I promise my father will give you the helper. Okay. And then, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. That scripture says to me, there's two things. When you're saved, you receive the Holy Spirit. It, it, that's what that's what the scripture says. When you receive Jesus, you receive the Holy Spirit. But you're endued with power. They were endued with power when they waited in that upper room. And if you if in another place it says he breathed on them, that's what it says in the book of John. He breathed on them and they received the Holy Spirit. But the power, everybody say the power. The power In the book of Acts, chapter 1. Now, if we just turn over to chapter 1 of Acts. Now, remember, this is still Luke, and he's still talking. It's the same same person. He's a physician. Um, I love it that he's a physician because he explains the spirit, the flesh, things like that. And he understands it because he's a physician. He understands there's a difference between those two. So, it says in the book of Acts, uh, chapter 1, and let's begin with... um, well, I'm going to start back up here. Um, I'm going to start with one. The former treatise which I have made to Theopolis concerning all that Jesus began both to do and teach until the day when he was taken up, after he had given commandments through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom he presented himself alive, everybody say alive, after his passion by many 
infallible proofs appearing to them for 40 days and speaking concerning the kingdom of God. Being assembled with them, he commanded them, do not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father of which you have heard of me. For John baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. He's quoting also what Matthew said, that the Holy Spirit would come and he would baptize with the Holy Ghost and fire. Everybody say fire. The fire of God represents the power, the power of God. And so it goes, um, it goes on and says, um, so when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of God? Don't we always want to know more than God's got to say? And he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates, which the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you shall be witnesses, my witnesses, in Jerusalem, in all Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Now, if you go on over to Acts chapter 2, which is where we're going to begin, the rest of that chapter is just the appointment of uh, a 12th apostle to be with the others, because we know Judas was, of course, um, he died. So when the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like a mighty rushing wind came from heaven. Everybody say, a sound like. Now, it doesn't say there was a rushing mighty wind, but it was a sound like a, so it, it, they had that experience. If you remember the video from last week that we watched, the, the woman who actually was the mother of that son said that one of the nurses reported to her that when she called for the Holy Spirit, there was like a force that pushed them back from where they were. Everybody say, there's a force <laughs> accompanying the Holy Ghost. When you begin to, uh, begin to flow in the anointing of God, especially in ministry, you will feel the force of the Holy Spirit. It no longer is you. It is the Holy Spirit of God. When you operate in the gifts of God, when you begin to operate in the word of knowledge and the things that it talks about in 1 Corinthians 12, you, it's not you. In fact, I, I have had people come up to me afterwards and say, you know, do you remember when you said this to me? No. <laughs> Why? Because I'm just an ordinary person. But when the Holy Spirit begins to speak, now we're not talking weird stuff. This is the Holy Spirit that dwells in each one of us. And God will call upon you to be his voice, to be his hands, to be his feet, to be what he needs for that person, for that moment, for that time. I believe we're going to see a huge manifestation of the Holy Ghost. But it's going to come from people who will allow God to move through their life, and he will, they will obey. And they will obey instantly. They won't have to think about it. Working with the Holy Ghost is an instant, suddenly situation. It is not, well, let me think about it. I'll come back tomorrow. You know, it's, it has to be done now. I saw Lester Summerall once, a man who had a ministry up in South Bend. He was in Tulsa. He stopped in the middle of his message. He said, the, the anointing for healing is here now. Who needs healing? Nobody moved. He went on, started talking. Here comes this lady. And he said, go back to your seat. It's over. It left. I thought, well, that's kind of sad. Of course, I'm not God. And the anointing, everybody say the anointing, comes from the Spirit of God, not from me. Not from my feeling sorry for somebody, not from me saying, oh, I wish it was here. It comes from the Spirit of God. And you have to cooperate. Everybody say cooperate. And so they were doing what they were told. What did Luke say? Go and tarry and wait until you receive the power. That's what Jesus said in the first chapter of Acts. Go and wait. Everybody say, go and wait. And so they were there. Suddenly, a sound like a mighty rushing wind came from heaven. It filled the whole house where they were sitting. There appeared to them tongues of fire being distributed and resting on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them to speak. Now, you're going to see a little bit different up there because I'm reading from uh, this Bible that I have, which is the MEV translation. Now, real quick, because a lot of people get all confused. Well, isn't when you're saved, aren't you filled with the Holy Ghost? Yes. Do you have power? I believe you hear from the Spirit of God. But the Bible says you receive power 
when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And the evidence of that was speaking in tongues. Now, I am not the one who wrote the book. But I am the one who reads the book. And in 19, Ephesians, the people at Ephesus received the Holy Spirit. Now, let me, let me show you this. While Apollos was at Corinth, Paul passed through the upper regions and came to Ephesus. And he found some disciples and said to them, Have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? You cannot believe unless you have received the Holy Spirit. Because Acts chapter or Romans chapter 8 says, It's the Spirit of God that bears witness with your spirit that you're a child of God. So he's saying to them, Do you believe? And they say, Yeah, we believe. Since you believed. That means they've received Jesus. Then he says, they said, they said to him, no, we've not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. <laughs> because they don't know anything about the Holy Spirit, but they have believed. Everybody say they believed. So they have the Holy Spirit. He said to them, into then what were you baptized? Everybody say baptized. They said into John's baptism. What is that? Water baptism. Then Paul said, John indeed baptized with the baptism of repentance. In other words, when you are water baptized, you are identifying with the death of Christ and the resurrection of new life. That's what you're doing. Some, some people preach that that's when you get saved. I, 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 in other parts of scripture, it says they received Jesus and then they went out and got water baptized. So, you know, I guess it's just what people interpret. But as for me, this is the way I believe the Holy Spirit has revealed things to me. And this is what it goes on and says. With <clears throat> repentance, telling the people that they should believe in the one coming after him, that is the Christ. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. When Paul had laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them and they spoke in other tongues and prophesied. There was a difference of what happened in their life right there. Now, when we pray for people for the baptism of the Holy Spirit, it's not so you can be special, more special than other people. Uh, I do not believe that this went away when the disciples died because I need the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and I have since the day I started in ministry. I would, not have, I would not want to do what I do if I didn't have the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit quickens me, and he tells me things. Now, I'm saved, so some things I would know. But the power to overcome what I can't overcome, I have. Because of the baptism of the Holy Spirit in my life. And I thank God, just like Paul said. I thank God that I pray in the Holy Ghost. And I thank God that I pray with my understanding. I thank God for all that he's done for me. But the Holy Spirit is real. And the Holy Spirit has a purpose in your life to tell you truth, to be your helper. But he also has a purpose to endue you with power to overcome the things you cannot overcome. And I thank God that somebody prayed with me the day after I got saved before I did any more damage in my life and taught me about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now it goes on and says, the Holy Spirit that began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them to speak. Uh, if you go on to verse 14, Peter standing up with the 11, that's, so now there's the 12 again, lifted up his voice. Now Peter is the one who's really messed up. But God knew Peter's heart. He warned Peter. He told Peter, Way back, you're going to deny me, and you're going to deny me three times before the rooster crows. And he did. But if you remember when I read last week, when he, was, when he spoke to them in the garden, he said, go and tell the disciples and Peter. And then in John chapter, the very last chapter, he said, Peter, do you love me? See, there, Peter was the one who had demonstrated that he knew the Spirit of God. Because when Max, Matthew 16, where... He said, who do you say that I am? Some of them said, da, da, da. Some said, so. but he said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And then he was anointed by God to be the one, I believe. He said, I'll build my church upon this rock. He wasn't saying he was going to build it on Peter. Peter's name meant rock. I'll build this church, and it starts with you. 
It starts with Peter. And so when Peter stood up with the eleven, he lifted up his voice and said to the men of Judea and all you who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you. Listen to my words, for these are not drunk as you suppose, since it's the third hour of the day. But this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. If you read the scriptures, it says in Amos, uh, surely the Lord does nothing unless he reveals his secrets to his servants, the prophets. That's one of the fivefold offices. And God does reveal things to people who walk in that office. Now, we, as, as born-again believers, uh, we, we can operate in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And there's prophecy, which means to encourage, to exhort, to edify. But a prophet is someone who God speaks to about things coming. You probably have heard uh, some of them. There was a young man, what was his name that you just read about? Kent, um, the one that prophesied, that heard the prophetic word from the Lord about the president we have today. What was his name? Kim Clement. Yeah. And he heard that way back there, way before the president said he was going to run for office. God does tell people things, situations, circumstances. Uh, I've just, I'm going to be going in July to a meeting, and I, and I believe God's sending me. I'm, I'm certainly not a prophet, but I believe God's sending me. Cindy Jacobs is a very prophetic woman, and she's holding a conference in Washington, D.C., and Pastor Sharon's asked if I want to go to that. I'm going to go because I believe God is saying things. I hear things. Uh, you know, but it, when you get with people who have heard those things, then you begin to know this is really what the Spirit of God is getting ready to do. Now, I've had that happen in things God shared with me are coming, and then I go to meetings where other people flow in the gifts of the Spirit, believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit, believe in the infilling of the Holy Spirit with the power of the Holy Spirit, and you'll hear the same things. Why? Because the Holy Spirit says the thing. The Holy Spirit is not schizophrenic. He is not bipolar. The Holy Spirit knows what God says, and God is truth. And he operates by love. So none of what I'm saying to you will ever operate if you don't understand the love of God. That's why it's so important to walk in the love of God. Your faith works by love. Everything operates by the Spirit of God, by love, because God is love. That's the foundation. And so as we begin to walk in these things that God is showing us, he tells us what Joel said, and this is a quote right from the book of Joel. In the last days, we've been in the last days for a lot of last days. I don't know when the last of the last days is because, you know, we see things and we hear things, but I can tell you what to watch. Jerusalem. Watch Israel. Because everything that has to do with the last days pertains to Israel. And so we see things right now in Israel that people that are very prophetic are saying that we are approaching the last of the last of the last. But I know when I got saved uh, about 1976, um, they were saying these are the last days. You know, and so everybody say, after Jesus died, we're in the last days. <laughs> so I don't know how long the last days are going to be. All I know is this is what God told me, and it's in the scripture. I can't quote the number right now, but it's, he said, be found doing what he called you to do when he comes. In other words, have your lamp burning. Amen. So it goes on, and it, we're going to read all of this. In the last days, uh, it shall be, says God, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons, your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even on men servants and maidservants, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in heaven above, signs on the earth below, blood and fire and vapor and smoke. The sun shall turn, be turned into darkness, the moon into blood, before that great and glorious day of the Lord comes. Now, and whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. As you go on through chapter 2, um, we begin to see Peter really preaching the word of God. And um, the end result in chapter 2 is people begin to get saved. See, once, once we receive Christ, once we receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, then we are witnesses. That means everywhere we go, there's the potential for people to get saved by the words that we speak. And I believe the greatest thing that the church needs to do is be a witness. 
we can't, I can't solve everything in Washington. You can't solve everything in Washington. I can't solve what's in Iran. But if I do what I'm called to do, and people become filled with the Spirit of God and are anointed by the Spirit of God, the, the earth will change. The earth will change. God owns the earth and the fullness thereof and everything in it. That includes us. So when we begin to witness and do what God called us to do, then the power of God is released and the anointing of God comes and people are liberated and they no longer think the way they think. You won't argue. You cannot out-argue a demonic force. You have to cast that thing out and speak the word instead. That's how you get rid of demonic forces. By the power of the Holy Spirit. Are you getting this tonight? So the importance of us, especially in the day we're living in, to know the, the Holy Spirit, to know the voice of the Holy Spirit, and to become the voice of the Holy Spirit in, in certain situations where we are. Um, I want to look now at um, Acts 2, 38 and 39. Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of sins. And you shall receive... The gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is to you and your children and to all who are far away, as many as the Lord our God will call. And that says, then they gladly received the word. His words were baptized. And that day, about 3,000 souls were added to them. Wouldn't that be an exciting day? I'm telling you. Some people say, oh, these mega churches. I don't like big churches. Well, I do. Because where there's a big church, there's an anointing. And multitudes, everybody say multitudes, are being saved. You know, when I see places where my husband's been in Sudan, and he begins to speak and people get saved, they are crammed in that field. I mean, there's no room to hardly move. But people are receiving eternal life. I'm telling you, heaven is the place to spend eternity. And we have the power of the Holy Spirit to be witnesses to bring that about. When Peter spoke, three thousand people were added to the church and he didn't say really all nice th i mean he he told these people what they did and what they had had done to the son of god and of course that causes persecution everybody say persecution you know if you don't if you don't like the heat in the kitchen what do you do you get out i don't like to cook but i like the heat in the kitchen <laughs> somebody else can put it in there okay I'm, go I'm not getting out of the kitchen. Everybody say, don't get out of the kitchen. Because there will be heat. Jesus said, if they persecuted me, they will persecute you. But then you know what the rest of that scripture says? If they listen to your words, if they listen to my words, they'll listen to yours. Have you ever heard that? How many of you have heard, if they persecuted me, they'll persecute you? You know, those are the same people that say, none, no, none's righteous, no, not one. If they persecuted me, they'll pers And everybody's ready to die and leave church, <laughs> praying for the amen. No, it, that scripture says that, yes, they will persecute you because they persecuted me. But they listen to my words, they will listen to yours. Amen, amen, amen. They will listen to your words. So the supernatural begins. Let's look at, um, we're going to look at verse 41 through 47. Oh, we did 31, 41. Let's look at 42. They continued steadfastly in the apostles' teaching and fellowship and breaking of bread and in prayers. Fear came to every soul. That's reverence. And many wonders and signs. Everybody say the supernatural. What it begins to take place. The supernatural begins to take place. How many of you, when you got saved and filled with the Holy Ghost, uh, maybe you just when you got saved, things started changing. Now, there was persecution, but the good things started to happen because God begins to reveal himself to let you know he's real. And so it says, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. All who believed were together, had all things in common. They sold their property goods and goods and distributed them to all. We're not going to do that. Don't worry. You don't have to leave. We're not going to take your stuff according to their need. And continuing daily with one mind in the temple, breaking bed from house to house. But this is important right here. Continuing. Everybody say continuing. Daily with one mind. That means everybody in unity. And in the temple, breaking bread from house to house. What's that mean? Fellowship will keep you out of trouble. See, people forsake the assembling of themselves because they don't, a lot of them don't want to be told how it ought to be. They like it to be the way they ought to be for them. Or they don't come because once they get in the fellowship, they begin to feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit. 
And if you don't give in to the conviction of the Holy Spirit, the spirit of condemnation from the devil will overtake your life. And you will be in a world of hurt. Okay, let's go on. It says, uh, they sold their, and continued daily with one mind in the temple, breaking bread from house to house. They ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God, having favor with all people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. Amen? Why? Because they stayed in unity, and they began to break bread together. They began to fellowship. They began to walk with koinia. They began to have uh, the power of God manifested in their presence. Everybody say supernatural. Supernatural. And then, of course, in chapter 3, Peter and John, and we're going to end with this one. Peter and John went up together to the temple at the ninth hour, the hour of prayer. And a man, you know this story, a man lame from birth being was being carried, whom people placed daily at the gate of the temple called Beautiful, to ask alms from those who entered the temple. Seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked for alms. And Peter, gazing at him with John, said, look at us. So he paid attention to them, expecting to receive something from them. Then Peter said, I have no silver and gold. You don't have to wait till you're rich to be a witness for Jesus. But I give you what I have. I give you what I have. In the name, everybody say the name. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he pulled him up and he jumped up and that was the end of that story. Then much persecution came. But they begin to explain the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in verse 13. The God of our fathers has glorified his son Jesus, whom you handed over and denied. Now this is where, see, this, this upset a few people. Uh, and denied the presence of Pil- in, Pil- in the presence of Pilate when he had decided to release him. You denied the holy and righteous one and asked for a murderer to be granted to you. And you killed the creator of life whom God has raised from the dead, of which we are witnesses. Everybody say witnesses. So you see a manifestation of a witness. The manifestation of a witness is not what I can do for you, but what God can do for you. Because what God can do for you will change your life. In our benevolence, right back there, when my sister meets with people, we we talk to them about their need. We pray with them. and, And we require certain things from them. One of them is, we will help you, but we will not help you again unless you start coming to church. People say, oh, that's just terrible. You would tell them they have to go to church to get money? Yes. Because if they just get money and they don't get the word of God, how are they going to increase in their life? When, are, it, when is the Holy Spirit going to have an opportunity to change your life? Sitting in here, there's a corporate anointing. Not based on me, not based on you, based on what happened at Calvary. And when that corporate anointing is there and the name of Jesus is spoken, power is released in this place to change the heart of the person that sits there and break down powers and principalities and things that exalt themselves over the knowledge of God in their brain. Even if it's just for a few minutes, it's in there and it will never go away because the Holy Spirit has something to work with. Are you getting this? Now I've gone to preach and I'm clear off my message. Everybody say, people need Jesus. And they need him now. They don't need him next week. They don't need him when they get perfect. They don't need him because you needed him. They recognize you have something. And when you say, such as I have, I give to you, the Holy Spirit jumps right out there. Because what you're saying is, I don't have anything. But the one I know, he has everything. And you're about to get it. I'm going to close with this story. Years ago, in the very beginning of my days, and I'm going to talk about the Holy Spirit baptism just real quick for some of you, because I'm believing that there are going to be people. How many of you pray in the Holy Ghost in here? How many of you do it a lot? I don't do it a lot, and I need to do it more. I'm just making a public confession because God has been telling me. I used to pray in the Holy Spirit every time I got in my car when I was desperate. (laughs) Now, you can pray in the Holy Ghost and drive, but you can never shut your eyes. Just don't get too far in that you've got your eyes shut. But you can pray. That's what I did when I lived in Tulsa by myself. God said, whenever you get in your car, I want you to pray in the Holy Ghost. That was right after I said, I can't do anything with these kids in the house all the time. How many of you know that's true? You're busy. But he said, when you get in the car, you pray in the Holy Ghost. 
And that's what I did. If you pray in the Holy Ghost, God will be changing because it says he builds you up in your most holy faith in Jude, chapter, uh, Jude verse 20. But anyway, years ago, I had this couple, and I had uh, talked to them about the Lord. And at this point, I went up to visit this woman up in, up in Fowler. And uh, I went to her house and was talking to her about the Holy Spirit. And I wasn't thinking she's going to ask me to pray with her for the baptism. I was going to take her to the people that know how. And uh, so she's, I'm just talking. She goes, I want it. And I'm thinking, okay. I said, well, the ladies who prayed for me, you know, we can make an appointment and we'll go and I'll go with you. She said, no, I need it now. I thought, oh, dear God. I said, I need to go to the bathroom. So I get in the bathroom. This is a true story. I'm in there. I go, God, I need your help. Something. This is, I didn't plan this. What do I do? I don't know how to give her the Holy Spirit. What do I do? I knew what they prayed with me, but I was, I was a novice. I mean, I was so excited about it. I got her excited. Now she wants it, and I don't know what to do. So I'm in there, God, 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 help me. And I am in there praying in the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Finally, I had to come out. You know, you can only stay in there so long. <laughs> so I go out, and I go, well, <clears throat> this is what we have to do first. Because I just did what they did with me. We have to pray, and you have to release everybody who's ever hurt you. Because you can't be in unfor- unforgiveness and receive a gift from God. Because it's a barrier. Not because God doesn't want to give it to you, but because the enemy will cause it to be a barrier. So I said, now, what I need you to do, this is what they did with me. We're going to pray. And I took her hand. I said, now, I need you to um, just, I'm going to say, Lord, I, f- I forgive. And then I'm going to not say anything. Don't, you don't have to tell me out loud names. But you just, under your breath, begin to name the people. And the Holy Spirit will show you who they are. Now, I mean, listen, I was shaking in my boots because I didn't know if it was going to (laughs) work. And, you know, I'm thinking I'm responsible for her to start praying in tongues. You know, I don't know what to do. So I just shut my eyes real tight, and it was silent for a while. I said, are are you done? She said, yes. I said, okay, Father, she, she has forgiven everybody. She has chosen to let them go. So I pray right now that as I put my hands on her head, that she will be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. And bravely, I put my hand on her head, and I began to pray in the Holy Spirit. Well, nothing happened. But then I remembered when, when they prayed with me, they said, the Holy Spirit does not have a voice. Everybody say, the Holy Spirit doesn't have a voice. You know, he's not Casper, but he doesn't have a voice. He's real. He's a person, but he doesn't have a voice. He uses your tongue. Everybody say, my tongue. How many of you think your tongue could use some control? Yeah. That's why God gave it to me. I had a mouth. And so I did. I really did. I didn't have so much mouth when you met me. I still have it every now and then. You see it. But I could have a really, I could really have a mouth. I could take you out in about two seconds if I needed to. And so, you know, I I just, I I was defensive. You know, I was, it was my protection. But God just took that right out of me. And so as I prayed in the Holy Spirit, I I guess he helped me because I said, well, listen, told her the Holy Spirit doesn't have a voice. You're going to have to, you need to say something. Hallelujah. Uh, praise Jesus. But you can't try to say that. You just have to say it. So the Holy Spirit, I said, and you'll feel something. It's like something starts moving right here. And uh, shut my eyes again. You know, if you shut your eyes, you pretend like you're not there. And so, <laughs> I mean, I'm just telling you how it was. I can feel it even now. And so I put my hand on her. And she started saying hallelujah, and bam, she just starts speaking in tongues. I was so excited. I, I think I was more excited than her. I was like, yes, God did it. God did it. So I continued to smoke and pray for people to get saved. I continued to lay hands on the sick. I continued to cast out devils, pray in tongues, and then go have a cigarette and rejoice for what God had done. <laughs> now, I'm telling you, look at me. I am a miracle. But God is so desperate. For the church to do something. <laughs> and one day he said to me, he told me, I'll help you quit. So, but one day I was at work. I was sitting there with my coffee, my cigarettes. Back in that day, you could work, smoke, do whatever you wanted. And uh, I was working at accounting firm, you know, running my cash register, smoking. I always kept one lit just in case it was the day, you know. I try to keep one lit. Because <laughs> I was, I mean, I was a mess. And so I needed all the help I could get. And that was my... Vice, you know, was I stopped saying my favorite word, which I only had one cuss word, 
And it was started with S, ended with T, and it didn't say the word of the day. But as soon as I got saved, God grabbed my mouth. I went to say it, and it wouldn't come out. I'm, I'm being honest with you right now, because you need to know that's how personal God is. That, you know, that's why I ask him about my hair, because I know he can do things. And so, you know, if, if you'll just let God take a hold of your life. One day he said to me in the morning, okay, today's the day. Don't light another one. And I never did. Because I had grown so accustomed to his love and his mercy and his grace. I didn't want to do it anymore. I just didn't know how to stop. But he did it. I don't know what he did. You know, there wasn't a patch. There wasn't a, you know, none of that. It just stopped. And I never wanted a cigarette again. Now, sometimes I would sniff the smoke. Because <laughs> it smelled good. You know, I'd get in a room with a bunch of people and i go, and then I'd think, no, that's not, that's not who I am anymore. So I can't say it didn't, it didn't try to tempt me. But I had power to resist. You have power to resist if you give him everything. And let somebody else take over your tongue is a big step. Because he will correct you. And he will correct what comes out your mouth. I know we tell people in this church, you're snared by the words of your mouth. But I want to tell you, by yourself, without the power of God, you're not going to be able to stop it. Because the force that's in the world still has power. He's defeated, but he has power where there's ignorance. He has power where there's deception. And he uses it. But when you walk in obedience to the things of God. And I'm not saying, you know, that what I did was right. Smoking and celebrating what God did. But God knew my heart. I wanted to help people. And I wanted to give them what I had. And I still had some blemishes. You can't wait till you're perfect. You got to say yes. That's all you got to say. Okay. Okay. If you can use me, here I am. And he'll fix you along the way.